guys, welcome back to the Vibe Within Podcast. I'm your host, Gab Cohen, and uh, today's episode is all about eating disorders and getting through the holidays. Thanksgiving, if you're in the U.S., Christmas, Hanukkah, all the holidays, New Year's, um, we kind of just go through our experiences with eating disorders, all kinds, binging, restricting, over-exercising, bulimia. We, we talk about so many different things, me and my guest, and you're really going to love her. Um, we talk about different ways we can get through challenging moments of cravings. We talk about sugar and flour and food addiction. We talk about recovery. Um, So you're really going to enjoy this episode because we were really thorough with coming up with a solid game plan for this episode so that we could share with you all of the actual tactical things that we have done to help us through the most challenging times of our eating disorders. So a little bit of a trigger warning. We do talk about, um, you know, pretty intense things with our eating disorders. Um, Coach Suita has uh, a lot of experience with food addiction and sugar addiction, alcoholism, recovery. She is also a certified nutritionist and she has healed her ulcerative colitis through diet and uh, she is awesome. So we riff all about how we can get through the holidays and um, take out your notes because we really go through a lot of tactical, practical ways and different things that I've learned over the years from listening to podcasts, from recovery, uh, from support groups, all sorts of stuff. So I wanted to share with you guys just my go-to guide, if you will. I hope this episode helps anybody who's struggling. Um, I know this time of year can be really triggering and challenging, but we wanted to make this so that we could help anyone who needs some extra support. And uh, don't be afraid to reach out to us on Instagram. I will put both of our information in the show notes, but you can follow her at primal.kumari. And yeah, I hope that you guys have an enjoyable holiday season and we will connect on the other side. Don't forget to take care of yourselves. And again, support is everything. So if you don't have the support you need, really try and get that figured out. Um, Support groups, those are all going to be in the show notes. The links are there. And BetterHelp is always a sponsor of this podcast as well. So if you have not tried online therapy, you can try online therapy with BetterHelp. I've been using them for two plus years and two million people or more are actually using BetterHelp right now. Online counseling is the way to go, especially if you have anxiety about going to an office and sitting down and being in front of a therapist. You don't have to do that anymore. You can use the audio version where it's just a phone call therapy session, or you can do video, or you can just do messaging back and forth. It's really up to you. 
I do video and I do EMDR with my therapist. She's she's amazing. We're doing EMDR for all sorts of things, trauma, OCD, depression. I'm also going through a really hard time right now with my cat. So, you know, therapy is my my focal point of my sanity. It keeps me sane. It keeps me going, knowing that I have an appointment once every week and that I can message my therapist at any time. I can I message her all the time. She knows what's going on day in, day out, and I get her support through the messaging system, kind of like texting your best friend. You know, my therapist is there for me for whatever I'm going through. So you can go to betterhelp.com slash vibe for 10% off of your first month of online counseling. Everybody who's done this has reached out to me and said that they love it so far and it's helped them so much. And you can find the perfect therapist for you based on your needs. So whatever you need, um, whatever kind of trauma you're going through, whether it's eating disorders or alcohol abuse or family dynamics and trauma in that sense or relationship issues, whatever it is, um, you can find the perfect therapist that specializes in that. And if you need to change your therapist, you can change your therapist as many times as you need. And that has really helped me over the years. I've changed my therapist a couple times, and now I finally found, I think, the best therapist for me. Um, so again, that is betterhelp.com vibe for 10% off your first month of online counseling, betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash vibe. All right, enjoy this episode. Hi, Gab. How are you? Hi. I'm doing okay. We are going to talk about something that is near and dear to our hearts today, which is eating disorders and getting through the holiday season. So we've got Thanksgiving, we've got Christmas, Hanukkah, New Year's, all those holidays coming up. So we figured that we were going to talk about some things that we've gone through in our lives um, when it comes to the variety of eating disorders that, we, that we've gone through um, and some tools and ways to get through those challenges. Um, and we want to talk about, you know, restriction. We want to talk about binging. We want to talk about sugar, cravings, food addiction, and all the gray areas that comes with that. So um, let's just dive right in. Honestly, um, I'd love to hear what, where are you at right now? And what is a, an experience that you got through? I guess let's start with that. What's an experience that you got through uh, during a holiday season? You were kind of in the thick of your eating disorder. Um, you can paint the picture for us and you know, what got you through that? Yeah, definitely. Um, so holidays for me, there was holidays for me, I think from as like starting from a little girl started with Halloween. So it was like once Halloween was coming, it was like all of that sugar, the candy. I was, I get this rush, this feeling knowing that my substance was going to be plentiful and that it was like the time of year where it was all about just like, that's where it started for me. Not even Thanksgiving. It started there. And then I would, um, 
you know, I mean, it was just this constant cycle of eating and then the next day wanting to start this diet and then going through using validation for, well, it's October and it's going to be November. So I might as well just wait till January 1st. And I would just full on restrict and binge. Um, and once I would start with the sugar, I couldn't stop. So I didn't know what I was capable of, uh, just to kind of give you an idea before I went into recovery. That's kind of what it was like. I mean, I've blacked out on sugar before, literally completely blacked out. I've, um, you know, I don't care who's in my way. I will create fights with my family. And then, um, like the next day I would get angry that they would have these leftover foods in the house, pies, cookies, whatever they were, um, over the holiday season. And I would literally start a fight. Like, don't you know what it's like for me? I'm going to eat all of that. And I, like, they would be walking on eggshells. And so, um, just the holiday season was not pleasant with me. And then I went into recovery for alcoholism in 2007. And then from there, I started to see that I had this binge eating and sugar addiction. When Once I started, I could not stop. I literally would go out with my friends. Um, and then once it was, I remember a very specific time I would go out. My This was in November. So right around Thanksgiving time, I was going out with my friends and I was in one of those cycles of my holiday, like don't get me wrong. This type of cycle is something that I would go through all year long, but around the holidays, it was the worst. And all of my friends, um, they were going off to the movies, but I secretly, I was feeling really like fat quote unquote in my body. And I wasn't at that time overweight or anything like that. I just felt that way. And so I was in this sort of screw up mentality. They were all going to the movies. I went to the gas station to fill up on all of my, um, subs, my sugar substances, my drug of choice, which was like all the stuff you find in the 7-Eleven at the gas station. This is when I lived in California. They all pulled up yep. and I was so embarrassed. I had bags of um, just all kinds of like honey rolls and candy and everything you could. And then the salty stuff and the sweet stuff. And I got in the car and I was mortified that they had seen me. So just to give you kind of a picture of what that was like, and then it just consistently was like that. I would hide, I would, um, isolate, I wouldn't do things. And then I would take food to the room. I would hide it under the bed. Um, and you know, and then I would try to drink to get it all up, which never actually worked for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I would use the alcohol to try to help me get it out of my body. And so, um, and then I, so fast forward to the, like I went into recovery and I remember my first holiday having put down sugar for good. And even when I went into recovery in 2009, I didn't actually put down sugar. And for me also carbohydrates have the same sort of effect on me, sweet potatoes, like these types of things that are considered health foods for some reason, once I start that, I don't know, it turns into glucose in my system. Anyway, I can't stop. Yep. So I, um, I remember I actually want to talk about that yeah. in a little bit. We'll, we'll talk about the healthy food too, but yeah, keep going. Yeah. The healthy foods are the ones now where I have to be more careful with than the, like I've put the sugar and flour down. So I remember in 2011, um, I was like, all right, you know what? This is just how it is for me. Like I like, and I don't know what happened, but I hit such a bottom that 
someday in March of 2011, I literally put down like refined sugar, cakes, cookies, all of that kind of stuff. And I have not had any of that stuff since 2011. Um, What made you do that? What, like, how did you figure out like, okay, I'm going to go cold Turkey. Like, what did you hear? What, 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 how did you get to that conclusion that you were like, okay, I'm done sugar and flour. So I had tried everything. I feel like I went into different, I mean, I was in lockdown facilities. I was in, I had literally tried, I think that I hit a bottom. Like I really believe that I hit some sort of bottom and I had a quote unquote awakening of some sort that like, and so I I went into recovery um, in 2000, that month, I remember I found this group and I went there and um, it was a recovery room. So a 12 step program. I went there and I literally cussed everybody out at the table. And I was like, you know what? Screw all of you people sitting here in your perfect bodies and your perfect lives and you're not eating your cookies and you're not eating your cake and you're going on. This was right around the holidays too, actually. No, it was March, March. So it was after the holidays. So I must've just come out of my uh, February. So it goes to February for me. It starts in October and my holiday season ends at February because we have Valentine's Day. Um, and so it was March and I was like, this is it. Like, this is the body I'm going to be in. And I was at the time I was binging so much. I was um, heavier than I am now and well, much heavier. And I was, and I don't know what happened that day, but I just, I feel like that was the last house on the block for me to enter in a room like that. It was just like so mortifying to be like going to that type of place. Like here I am, one of these people really. And Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened, but from that point on, I was like, okay, I'm just going to do and take suggestions from people. I'm just going to go back into therapy. I'm just, and I slowly started to, um, And you have to remember too, like I came into recovery in 2009. So I already made a lot of changes in my life around food. It was just, I was having these sugar binges every now and then that I couldn't stop having. So in 2009, um, when I started to understand that I had a problem with sugar and flour, I would have these bouts, long periods of time on like a low carbohydrate diet where I was able to, um, maintained with having a network of people, therapists, um, people from, you know, recovery rooms, uh, people in my life that I had as a support system. But then once I felt like I was in a thin body or I was thinner, I would just leave and I would binge. And and so I used it kind of, I used therapy and recovery as sort of a way to lose weight. And then, but I wasn't healing the root cause which was Mm -hmm. so much more. And so then in 2011, I think I just had hit a place of being in recovery, but then having these binge cycles come through, especially around the holidays and then falling off the wagon. Um, Because to me, it is a relapse. If I eat sugar, it feels like a relapse. Um, It 100% feels just like if I had drank alcohol for me. And so I, 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 like, I had some sort of awakening, like, I just decided from that day on, I was going to take suggestions and I was not going to make it about the weight anymore. And so with that planted in my mind, and I just kept having these mantras that I was like, all you have to do from the neck down doesn't belong to you anymore. 
It is, you have to turn all of that over to a higher power or to a higher self or whatever you want to call it. God, I had to completely remove myself literally from my body. And I had to, I took directions where some people are like, okay, when you're coming out of the shower, we have to change these behaviors that you're having, um, where I would look in the mirror and I would pinch my body literally and be like, I hate this and I hate that. And I would, and till this day, I have not pinched my, I don't pinch areas of my body. I try to look at my body as a, as a temple and, um, don't get me wrong. There are days, especially more recently where I've kind of found myself back at looking like, well, what happened? And we'll get into with, you know, extreme dieting and my experience with that. But anyway, so my first holiday, um, what I did was I had, and I still do this to till today, every holiday, I have a network of people that I stay very close to. And, um, but my very first holiday, um, was, so that was 2011. And then, um, that winter, uh, coming up in 2011, I guess what, 2011, 2012, um, I started to make things that I could have on the holidays while everybody else was having something else. So for me at the time, it looked like, you know, I can't eat dates and things like that anymore, but I would find what I called, um, safe foods that um, made me feel like I fit in with everybody else when everybody else was eating the foods that would destroy me. And Mm -hmm. so I would have that and I would feel happy knowing that I had something and I wouldn't wake up the next morning feeling that hungover feeling in my stomach and the, all of the things that came along with eating um, those types of highly palatable holiday foods. And so I guess it was more like a paleo style, like with the dates. And I did that whole thing for a while. And then that stopped working for me. And then the next holiday was the biggest one for me, which was 2012. I was going to my husband's family's house for the very first time. And I remember um, I had um, at the time I had my friend Tanika and I had, um, um, oh gosh, what was her name? Oh gosh, how could I forget? So you basically have you you basically have to figure out what foods are your trigger foods. Yep. And find your safe foods mm-hmm. that are going to make you feel like, okay, I'm not restricting myself because these foods I enjoy. And you have to also what I'm getting from your story is you have to know your why. Because um first you said, you know, recovery was to lose weight. And I'm guilty of that too, because I, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to get into my story yet because you don't seem like you're finished, but I um, just wanted to say that what you're saying about the foods, we need to know our safe foods, we need to know our trigger foods, and we need to structure a plan so that we know what our limits are and what our boundaries are. We're not telling you guys that you have to all go sugar and flour free. You just need to know your red, yellow light, and green light foods. And there's also this thing that I heard from a podcast, um, the four W's, when you're about to eat or when you're having a craving, drink some water, ask yourself why, wait, and or walk. So if you're having a craving and you're like, wow, this feels like a really intense craving and this is not me, this is just temptation, you can do the four W's. 
Um, and then there's also halt, which is hungry, angry, lonely, tired. And I like to add in anxious too, because if you're any of those things, food is the easiest tool to grab to, to stuff down any of that, um, you know, angry, lonely, tired, anxious. If you're actually hungry, what I've heard in the carnivore space and the keto space, but mostly carnivore space is, okay, if you're hungry, can you eat some hard boiled eggs? Can you eat some steak? Can you eat some ground beef? Can you eat some, you know, carnivore foods? And if you're not hungry for that, then you might not actually be hungry for food at all. Yeah. Yeah. I, those are all like hungry, hangry, lonely, tired is one that I use all the time. Um, I also will like, I'll have like my safe person on my phone who, if I feel like I'm going to have a craving or something like that, I can text them. Um, I make sure that um, on those specific days of the holidays, I'm on the phone with somebody that is going through the same thing, like someone like me um, that has these eating disorder past and all of that. Like I make sure that on that day, I'm on the phone with them for at least five to 10 minutes, whether we do a meditation together or we say a quick prayer together, or we just like commit to each other, um, what our day is going to be like with our food plans. I have a food plan in place. Um, so this year coming into the holidays, which we already had, we already started our holidays here with, um, uh, I'm from Nepal. So in October, it all started already. And I have things that I make, um, like you said, that are on my green light. Actually, these are yellow light foods for me that I put boundaries around. So I plan out that during the times where I know I'm going to have a difficult time, I, or I might have a craving or something that I have specific foods that I can eat. I make sure that wherever I'm going, um, for the holidays that I bring things for myself also to make while my sister-in-laws are making all of their fancy gourmet pastries and whatnot. And they're all in the kitchen as well. I have the thing that I'm making and I get to also be in the kitchen with them and laugh with them mm -hmm. and have a good time. So I set myself up with boundaries around the foods, but also in a way that I can insert myself. So I feel included because a lot of times my disease makes me feel, um, isolated. I'm so different. Yeah. I have this blah, blah, blah. So I really plan for myself to, you know, have a nice time. And what is that going to look like for me to feel safe in my food? Yeah. And, um, you know, we, and I'm sure we'll get into what people's comments are, but yeah. you know, for the most part, like I'm planning for that. And now it's been multiple years. So I've been doing this since 2012, since the very first time I went to a holiday with the person that I did was like, how is this person going to marry me when he finds out I don't eat cookies? And yeah, I had at that it's time, like, it's, it's your new normal. Mm -hmm. Yep. And it feels safe. And eventually the first time you do it and you're like, oh, I thought my husband would never marry me when he found out that I didn't eat drink and eat sugar. Yeah. And you know, he was fine with it. I had, didn't even have cake on my wedding day. I was like, I'm not going to ruin my wedding day with a piece of cake. I love um, that. Yeah. So, um, so like what you're saying is um very true with you like having a setup plan for you said connection you know reaching out to people you said safety um i want to say there you know we all know we've all heard this 
for is that the opposite of addiction is connection. The opposite of food, food addiction is true connection. I feel like you really need true connection for food addiction because none of that fake connection stuff is going to work. Um, loneliness and isolation triggers my eating disorder personally. Um, and we will self-sabotage, you know, ourselves into, you know, eating things that we know doesn't work with our bodies and will flare us up like sugar, flour, anything that disrupts our gut. Um, you know, for me, I, I did that cycle for years, restricting, binging, restricting, binging. In high school, I was anorexic and I was, you know, put into a hospital for that. But then once I got into college, um, and even a little bit at the end of high school, drinking, that definitely triggered my binge eating. So drinking is kind of like the gateway um, for binge eating. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. But when your mind is inhibited with alcohol, you are not aware of things and your your choices and your mental clarity goes out the window. And for me, when I was in college and um, in living in LA when I was in my early 20s, that's when my binging got really, really bad. And I was partying and I was, um, even though I ate healthy still, I was my heaviest weight I'd ever been. So I was eating, you know, vegetarian, vegan. Um, and so anybody would label that as healthy. And I was never like into like junk food, really. Like, um, yeah, I would, I would eat things like chips and guac and like stuff like that. But like, even though I ate semi-healthy, I still blew up and my body was always swollen, always inflamed. And that's what happens um, when we binge and purge and it really shocks the body and puts so much stress on the body. So no matter how much we work out or restrict or um, make up for the binge, um, our bodies are in constant stress, stress and cortisol. And when I look back to one of the parts of my life with how my eating disorder was, um, this is when I was living in LA and I had become bulimic and I was, you know, eating healthy, um, binging at night on healthy vegetarian and vegan foods, purging. And I was also like doing hot yoga. I was doing cardio um, every day at the gym. I was doing the sauna almost every day. So I had like purging bulimia and exercise bulimia so they it via sweat and cardio and hot yoga. And this was a very, very dark time in my life because I felt so in the trenches and out of control. And even if I wanted to stop the binging and purging cycle, I didn't know how because I was never hungry during the day. So um, the, the purging definitely lasted several years into my late 20s. Um, and I remember when I really was like, I got to get out of this. I was actually living in Philly in 2019. So this isn't that long ago, maybe three years ago. And this was the height of my bulimia and my skin was a mess. I had acne all over my face. I was swollen all the time. I was teaching yoga again, still sauna cardio. Um, 
binging on vegan food because now I was vegan. And I just remember reaching out to one of my friends and he said, why don't you try to go to like a Dharma recovery meeting, which is um, it's a 12 step spiritual based recovery meeting, kind of like AA, kind of like NA, but it's more meditation based. So you go, you sit in a circle. Um, it was a lot of like old biker dudes that, that were in there. And I was in Philly. So it was pretty gritty, if you can imagine. And uh, a lot of drug addicts. So I was the only one with an eating disorder there, but they were so welcoming. I mean, I felt, I felt like I met like family and it was a lot of older men, which was a very healing energy, like just to be in that circle and for them to just like be accepting. Like, I was like, Oh my God, they're going to think I'm crazy. This girl with an eating disorder coming in. And like, you go around and you say, hi, my name's Gavin. I have an eating disorder. And they're like, okay, like they don't fucking care. <laughs> so yeah, that actually was what I needed um, to start connecting with people in a real way and start talking about things and start getting into meditation like deeply and start talking about what we're going through and hearing other people's stories. And I went there every Friday night. Now, granted, I was still in the workout sauna cycle. So I would do that, get ready at the gym and then go to this meeting. But I still stuck to it. And I started to realize that I needed to stop like the bulimia, the purging. So, you know, for me, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a cold turkey thing. It wasn't like, okay, I'm stopping purging um, because that's not realistic for a lot of people. Um, so for me, it was like, okay, I need to lessen the amount of times I'm purging a week. And I mean, throwing up. So I... I stopped, you know, I stopped the, the binging as, as I tried to lower it down. So I got to like, okay, I'm purging four times a week. And then um, I, I tried to really have these structured rules for myself when it came to my food at night, because I knew, okay, if you eat this amount or this food, your stomach blows up. And that is what triggers me to want to go purge. So how can I set myself up so that doesn't happen? Okay, well, what foods make my stomach blow up like this? All the raw vegetables, um, all the, the raw stuff, smoothies. So I really had to just be real with myself and the volume as well. Okay, when I eat this amount of this, that's not good. If I can just lower it a little bit, and change what you're eating. Because if you're doing the same thing every day and you're eating the same things every day, expecting different results, that's gonna make you feel crazy. And I was stuck in that cycle every day. So um, I started uh, decreasing my caffeine intake. Notice that really helped. Um, I just really started to focus on gut health. And before you know it, I was at this point where I was only purging twice a week. And for me, that was, that's success. And so when I'm in these recovery meetings and online and these eating disorder forums and stuff, um, I, I try to tell people that it's not about doing it cold turkey. It's about tapering yourself off because you have to be real with yourself and set realistic goals. And if you can slowly 
work your way into this place where you can find your happy medium, then that's going to work out a lot better for you than putting this unrealistic pressure to never binge again. So for me, like getting out of that, just kind of ripping off the bandaid in any way that you can and making a change, any change, small change, small changes build up over time. So if you start changing one habit and you start rolling with that and you say, wow, I haven't, I haven't, you know, binged on that particular food in a week. Now, what can I do? Because you have to prove to yourself that you can actually feel better. Um, Because for me, it's like, I didn't even know what feeling good felt like. So that's why I I kept binging and restricting and purging because um, I didn't have anything to base it off. of. I was like, well, I don't, you know, I just feel like shit. So I'm just, I'm never going to feel good. Real quick, I want to talk to you guys about my sponsor for this podcast, Keto Chow. Okay, so it's been almost a year since I've been doing keto, and I've been feeling so much better since lowering my carbs, but that doesn't mean that I don't enjoy little treats now and then, and I still really enjoy my keto dessert treats and that is why I'm really excited to be partnering up with Keto Chow. Keto Chow was created to make healthy eating a little bit easier and more sustainable, and what they do is they have these amazing milkshake packets that you can make smoothies with, you can bake with them. There are tons of actually recipes on YouTube, actually. A lot of people in the carnivore and keto space use keto chow in a lot of their recipes. I've seen breads made with them, cinnamon buns, cookies, muffins, cakes. I mean, it's like the options are endless, but you can also just make regular smoothies with them, and they have one-third of your daily vitamins and nutrients in every serving and it tastes like a dessert milkshake but it's low carb and you know it, it's really it's hard to find products that are actually healthy even though they're labeled keto some of these keto products are not that healthy for you they're filled with like oxalates and almonds and all sorts of weird fillers. So keto chow really limits the amount of ingredients they put in their mixes and people like Ken Berry and Nisha Berry and people like Amy Carnivore's Angel, all these people use keto chow and they really love the the way that Keto Chow has put together their products as clean as possible with very little additives and sweeteners. Um, And the flavors are amazing. I mean, they have eggnog, they have all sorts of holiday flavors. Eggnog, snickerdoodle, gingerbread, pumpkin spice, caramel macchiato. They've got like mint chocolate chip, vanilla, chocolate. What else? Did I say snickerdoodle? (laughs) Um, They have so many flavors and I really have been enjoying trying them out because I am starting to incorporate uh, dairy back into my regime, but very slowly and articulately. So Keto Chow has 30 plus flavors. It's super easy to make into whatever quick meal, whether it's a smoothie or a baked good. 
So whether you're new to keto or you've been keto for a while, keto chow can bring all the essential nutrients and vitamins that you need in a really fun and healthy way. And don't forget to check out their Black Friday deals. You can use the code VIBE um, on the website and they're going to have a really awesome Black Friday sale. Another thing I forgot to mention is that they have electrolyte drops and they have these amazing magnesium and fasting drops as well that don't have any sweeteners in them, no sugars. They have your, all of your essential um, electrolyte needs in there and they also have a mineral solution as well that you can put in your water. It doesn't taste like anything and it's really easy to get all of your essential minerals in especially if you're doing keto. You might have experienced the keto flu or losing water out of your body which can really take a toll on our well-being. It can manifest in headaches and all sorts of fatigue, so check those out as well. I've been really loving those mineral drops and the electrolyte drops. So go ahead to Keto Chow's website, and you can also find them on Instagram, and use the code VIBE at checkout, and you'll get a little discount for whatever you're buying. So happy holidays, and don't forget their Black Friday sale is going to be awesome. Check out their website. All the links are in the show notes. and. For me, like binging behavior hacks is something that I'd love for us to kind of maybe go through because for me, I needed to start asking myself, like, am I willing to sabotage my body to the point where I can't function the next or the next hour? Or am I willing to make myself so sick that I'm going to be physically uncomfortable um, you have to really like weigh out the pros and the cons of eating um, a certain food and certain quantity of food. And um, something that a lot of people will get stuck in is that falling off the wagon. Well, here I go. I'm just going to start eating everything. When you So say you have a cookie and a piece of cake. Okay. So that's, you know, maybe a thousand calories. Um, you could just leave it at that. And say, okay, I enjoyed that. And guess what? There's food that I can eat tomorrow too. And there's food I can eat later. Food is always going to be there. I think that's part of my problem is that I had that scarcity anorexia mindset where I didn't know if I was actually going to eat later because of all the starving myself I did. And even when you're stuck in the binging and restriction cycle, you don't know when you're going to eat because your eating disorder is running the show. So you might eat a lot of extra food because you're like, well, I don't know what I'm going to eat next. Mm -hmm. But if you kind of can shift out of that um, and say, look, I can have a snack later. This is what I'm going to have. Just like you said, having a plan with, with what food um, is better than eating 10, 10 cookies and being at 9,000 calories because that's going to hurt your body physically. So I don't know, what are some binging behavior hacks that have helped you or mindset shifts or actual like things that you do that we can offer people? Yeah. Um, I, you know, a lot of what you said is that perspective change in your mind. So I'm a, I'm one of those, like, I 100% believe in neuroplasticity. And so just in that moment, and I have, so like, when I stop, when I put the sugar down, that doesn't mean I didn't binge again. 
I found honey and I replaced all of these other things that I now know. Like, so little by little, I learned like honey was no longer something that I could have. I would binge on that. And so, um, you know, it was a process to get to where I am today. I always say inch by inch is a cinch yard by yard is hard. So little things. So like, like you said, like, okay, all right. So I, um, let's see a couple years ago, I was eating these protein bars and they gave me this like feeling like of wanting more. And, um, I remember I was getting ready to eat like three or four of them. And so I had one, but I knew I was going to go for the whole box. That sort of fuck it mentality was coming in. I'm just going to start tomorrow. I'll just eat the box. Who gives a shit? All the validating why. And instead what I did was I decided to, um, go outside And I asked myself, am I hungry? Am I lonely? Am I tired? And it was a miracle that I was able to do that. So like I always tell people, it's like the first time the plant, the seed is planted, like you're hearing us give all of these suggestions, like the first time the seed is planted and then the second time, and you might keep doing that behavior for three or four times, five times, but it's going to get so painful that that sixth time you might decide to actually go for a walk, you know? So sometimes Mm -hmm. it just starts with like, just acknowledging that you know that there's a solution and you still might have the binge and you still might say, fuck it. But the fact that you acknowledge that there is a solution and that you brought that into your awareness, the next time you might say, you know what, it's just one protein bar. Let me try calling someone. So typically what I'll do is again, I have a network of people that I, you know, it's like the same thing when your friends, like don't text your boyfriend, text me instead, you know, like have a friend, your best friend, someone, anyone in your life. Um, and I'll pick up the phone. I'll be like, Hey, I'm feeling like this right now. And by the time I'm done with that conversation, or I'll distract myself with something else. That's not food that I love like Netflix. I'll like go and like be like, okay, watch a Netflix show. Or I'll say, okay, go fold the laundry. And if you still feel like eating the box, once you're done with the laundry, eat the box. But by the time I'm done with the laundry, I don't like it passes. It's like everything else in nature comes in waves. And so do our emotions. It'll ebb and it'll delay. There's a book called delay. Don't deny by, Mm -hmm. I forget your name, but, um, that's what the book premise is about. Exactly what you just said. Delay your binge craving for an hour or for 15 minutes. Say, okay, okay, I can, I can binge tomorrow. You know, if I want to binge tomorrow, I can binge tomorrow. But guess what? Mm-hmm. After you've gotten two or three days under your belt of no binging, you start to realize how much better you can feel. And then that inspires you to say, I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. I want to eat foods that make me feel good. I don't want to feel out of control. Okay, I got three days. I feel like I have a little bit more control over um, my choices. And that snowballs. Right, and the trust, the body, like what happened to me is my body started trusting, my mind started trusting. And then what was happening was I wasn't feeding the same thought down the same nerve over and over again, I was now jumping to this new idea that was given to me from whoever else, um, you know, you, whoever else, people in my life that may have said it. And then eventually what happens is if we, when we go to those old thoughts, what we do is we go, we change the thought immediately. And eventually what happens, and this is 
neuroplasticity in its finest is that nerve dies. It literally dies. You have a new way of thinking and being. And that is exactly what has happened to me because I was a binge night binge eater. I don't eat like I'm all into circadian rhythm. I typically don't eat. And I mean, it's not, it's very loose. It's not like so structured, but for me on a weekday, when I'm in my structure and my daily living, I typically don't eat after sunset. And that's just gives my body the time to rest that I need for my gut to rest with ulcerative colitis and all of these things I know about myself. But again, on the weekends, I go out, I'm having an amazing dinner with my friends this weekend. That that doesn't go till 7:30. And so you have to have you have to be have some like for me, I have to have some looseness around my structure too because I have to live my life and I want freedom too. I'm not going to just not go out on this, you know, date night with everybody because I don't eat past sunset. You know what I mean? Like it's right. So having yeah. like flexibility and you know, and we can get into so much about flexibility and what's going on in these, you know, in the diet culture of with people being so strict and so restrictive. And I feel like for freedom and trust, I need to have flexibility, um, freedom in my body and trust for my body and feeling safe. And like, I can actually venture out into the world around food because this doesn't happen for me anywhere else, but food. Um, yeah. I have to have flexibility. And so building in what is true for you and um, being honest with yourself, like you said, what are these foods that bother me? And, you know, don't be afraid to say, hey, you know what, can we go to this restaurant? And when people say, hey, what restaurant do you want to say a restaurant? Look at the menu ahead of time, like see what you mm-hmm. can do to make yourself feel safe and comfortable when you get there. And so yeah, flexibility. Sure. There's people who are abstainers and moderators. And then there are some people, sometimes I feel like I'm sometimes in the middle because not with sugar and flour, but um, there are some foods that people would say, oh, if I had that, I would just never be able to to moderate that. And I'm like, huh, that's it. That's interesting because I can have sweet tastes. I can have sweet tastes. Mm-hmm. I can have sugar-free pudding. Mm-hmm. I can do artificial sweeteners. Mm-hmm. And there's some people in the communities mm-hmm. that will say, oh my God, no, that's that's a sweet taste. You, how dare you? Mm-hmm. You cannot. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, guess what? That doesn't feel good for me because I come from a very restrictive mm-hmm. mentality and eating disorder. So um, if I were to tell myself, no sweet tastes, no no stevia, no artificial sweeteners. I mean, I would have nothing left. And for me, I don't really have to outweigh the pros and cons. Like, is it worth it? I've cut out so many things at this point because of my autoimmune issues, because of my stomach issues, thyroid issues, that it's like, okay, what am I willing to have that's unhealthy? And what am I willing to not have anymore? Well, I cut out a lot of the vegetables that were causing gut Mm -hmm. dysbiosis and all this crazy shit. Mm -hmm. I cut out a lot of the vegan stuff Mm -hmm. and I added in a lot of animal foods like meats. So I think it's about swapping and knowing like, because there's some people who would say, well, if I had a sweet taste or if I had any of that stuff, then that would flare me up. And I'm like, okay, well then that's not for you. Like Mm -hmm. you can't. You can't put things that feel poisonous in your body. And um, 
I have this thing written down. Like when I was in like all of the anorexia stuff when I was in high school, there were these pro anorexia forums that were so toxic. And um, I'm sure people who are listening have heard nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Right? That, that is like the most toxic um, thing any, anybody could say. And I was thinking about that in the mentality where I'm at right now. Nothing for me right now, no food tastes or is worth it um, if that's going to make me not feel good. So it's, it's nothing tastes as good as feeling good feels, if that makes sense. It's not about being skinny anymore. It's about feeling good. I want to be able to wake up and function and go for a walk and not feel like there's cement in my joints. I want to wake up and I want my stomach to be, you know, like not bloated. I want to have normal bowel movements. I want to have clear skin. And that all happens from eating the foods that work with my body. So I had to create a list and I actually think writing out a physical list like this can help people if they're in that binging zone. Um, List out all of the things that binging makes you feel like shit. You know, for me, seeing this list of all the things that binging does to me physically and emotionally, I have digestion issues, fatigue, swelling and weight gain, depression and anxiety, mood issues and panic attacks. Um, on the toilet all day long, can't enjoy the next day, shame and guilt, migraines, and autoimmune symptoms. I mean, none of that is worth eating a cookie, a piece of cake. And guess what? Just like you said, you can find different variations of that. On Pinterest, there's tons of keto and carnivore and gluten-free and sugar-free and flour-free. I mean, the, the options are endless at this point. Yeah. Be creative, have fun with it. Um, go get your ingredients and do something new and make something new and be excited that you're not going to feel like shit this time because yeah. you're not going to eat stuff that makes you feel like shit. So it's that excitement that can kind of like get you out of that too. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to feel like that. How do I want to feel? And write a list of all the ways that you want to feel, you know? Um, bulimia for me led to, was the trigger for a lot of health issues. I mean, all the purging and even the non-purging part of bulimia, um, caused me to have low stomach acid, which I couldn't digest food. Um, so, so doing that as well, writing a list of, of like actual things that can happen from purging and from binging because binging puts a stressor on your glucose levels. Mm -hmm. It can spike your insulin. It can, it can wreak havoc in your body. Um, and this isn't, I'm not trying to like tell people like, don't binge. If you do, then get back, move forward. There's nothing you can do about it, but also you can have different self care tactics and like rituals that you can do as self-care post binge mm -hmm. like take a hot shower take a cold shower go for a walk um drink some lemon tea ginger something mm -hmm. to get your your digestion moving mm -hmm. um do some stretching 
do some deep breathing, like do some physical stuff that will um, like activate your senses so that you're like enjoying something. Um, for me, tea has always been like I, when I used to binge or when I used to binge drink too. the next day, I would make these crazy concoctions with lemon and ginger and turmeric and just all the herbs that I felt were going to help me. And I would take herbs sometimes too. I would take some digestive herbs. Um, I took things to help me lose water weight, which is not the best, but if you are really retaining a lot of water, um, there are things that could help like parsley tea, um, cilantro, uh, ginger, lemon, turmeric, um, and just certain things that will help you kind of release some of the sodium that comes with binging. But, but again, if you're binging on sugar, that's a lot different and that can, um, really cause a lot of the blood sugar ups and downs, which is part of the reason why a lot of my physical issues came to be, I think is from spike in sugar. And even if it's fruit, you know, just knowing your boundaries and your, you know, your limits. Yeah. Um, gosh, I agreed with so many things that you said. And um, I just wanted to speak real quick on the, you know, if you binge, like we're not saying like now you have to stop forever and ever and ever, like you're, it's probably going to happen again if you're in the process of recovery. Um, but just what I tell people all the time is in my experience is like it gets better one day at a time so long that you put your next foot forward and that you have your hand in the recovery pot. I think it was like Oprah that said a mustard seed of willingness will grow into like a field of, you know, literally a field of flowers, mustard seed flowers. And then you have billions and billions of mustard seeds. So like that little bit, little bit of willingness can change everything. So if you, and then it, like I was saying, like with the ocean, if you just imagine when you have your binge, let's say you have a binge or you've just had a binge, just remember like when there's waves crashing on an ocean, eventually those waves fizzle out, but each wave has to come and crash coming. And eventually it gets better and better. Maybe like you said, you didn't, um, it went like your purging went from like four days to two days to one day to no days. And I've watched people in my life um, that like I have a really close friend of mine. I mean, it was like really bad. And I've watched her now come out of that completely recover. And she's getting married. She's getting ready to like start having babies completely changed her body. But I remember the days where she would come, I did it again. And like it went from every day to two days, to three days, to one day. And that's what it was like for me too, with my binging. My binging did not stop on March, 2011. It's, I don't, I can't even tell you where it stopped because I'm trying to think right now. I don't know when it stopped, um, but it's been multiple years. I just can't tell you exactly when it just one day was the last day. And it was probably right. sometime in 2017. Do you have, okay. So let's talk about this. Do you have days where you, it's not a binge, but you feel like you overate because that is something that I still go through and many people in binging recovery will go through. Well, was that a binge? What's a binge? Right. And, you know, right. like, 
okay, I feel like I really ate like a huge, enormous OMAD. Sometimes people will say, well, that was a lot of food. That's a binge. But to me, it's like, well, that's my OMAD. And I don't feel like I was out of control. And I don't feel like I've just binged. You know, I just feel a little bit overly stuffed. So what do you have to say about that? Yeah, I I think it's, I think that this comes back to the individual. Like for me, um, I recently, my parents had a party a few months ago and I made um, something that actually everybody ended up eating all of it. I made a Nepalese dessert made with monk fruit sweetener. And the bowl that I had was a little bit bigger than I would probably have normally had. It was like a, just a little bit bigger of a bowl. And I started to have those feelings come on of like, oh my gosh, was this, did I just overdo something? That's how sensitive I am to my amounts. Cause I'm so used to eating very sort of proportionately. And I, I don't know when that, so for me, I wouldn't consider that a binge, but just, um, I think it's important to note that like something like that is a really good example of like, I could have easily been like, you know what, screw it. I'll just eat the whole thing. It's sugar-free. It's pretty much like a animal base, like whatever, there's nothing in it. It's got great saturated fat. Like I'm just going to polish it off. And I had that thought, but because those thoughts are so quiet now in my head, instead I chose to just say, you know what you had, what you had, but to me, it could have easily felt like a binge because it was just the way that it felt in my tummy. And I think that's like, you're saying some people can look at OMAD and be like, oh, that's just feasting and fasting and binging and whatever. But what is it to you? Do you feel safe with it? And so for me, it was like, oh, wait, I only had this much. And going back to sort of, I believe in, I've done a lot of work around reparenting in the way that I talk to myself. So like my parental internal voice is a very sort of, oh, honey, sh- it's okay. It was just, that was nothing. It was just a, a little bit larger of a bowl. I know you're feeling that feeling right now. I know that sounds really cheesy, but like I've been done, I've done so much work around this and that is now my instinct instinctual way of responding to myself. Um, and so it was like, okay. And I think that's important to acknowledge too, is how we're, and I often say this with my clients when they do their food. I see a lot of people with eating disorders and stuff when they do their, I'm like, what are you thinking when you're eating? Like you have to write down like in your little pamphlet. I have like, what were your thoughts when you had that meal? Because I think that while you're actually eating, yeah. And then after you're yeah. eating, like, what were you thinking? Like, what were you? Th- and so yeah. typically people are rushing through and they're like, I just got to get this through. And um, they're thinking like, is this going to make me fat or I'm fat or whatever? Just like typical, like really typical basic stuff. People that don't even have eating disorders, they'll be, they're worried about the food and is it making them fat? And they're not like peaceful and connected with their food. So there's a lot of like, I think when we, when it comes to like, what you think around what is a binge and what is not a binge is what feels safe in your body and how you respond to that. So like for me, there is, I just did a post today on like safe foods and like when I eat sugar and carbohydrate laden food, I'm talking even sweet potatoes, you guys, it doesn't, Mm -hmm. it's anxiety producing. I get heart palpitations. I can't find my way through my my, you know, higher self, my parental voice, I can't find her. It's like, I'm lost back in this 16 year old crazy, like, oh my God, I like anxiety. Do you comes think up. any, 
you've said that you've said that you think it's a reaction, like a physical and mental reaction to the like the starch in like the carbs mm-hmm. and like it trans and uh, glucose, uh, gluconeogenesis and it you know turning into sugar like that's that's a legit you know thing well yeah so some some people's bodies can only handle so much glucose right well and so gluconeogenesis comes from when you eat too much protein without carbohydrates but like carbohydrates in general for me and i've i'm always someone who says test don't guess i literally have tested my body it was an accident the way that it came about, but I had eaten too much sugar and too much carbohydrate one day at work and I blacked out. I went to the doctor and they literally said to me, did you drink a pint of vodka last night? And I've been sober six years. I think I I tell this story all the time, but she was like, well, that sugar has the same reaction in your body as alcohol. That's how, so for me, I have a physical manifestation of an allergy, like an alcoholic to sugar and carbohydrate, even sweet potatoes, even bananas, even I've tried them all. I've over these last 16 years, I've tried them all. And then like, then I have to become rigorously honest with myself. Is this, is this a binge? And like, so when I get rigorously honest about that bull was like, is it, and sometimes I can't navigate through these thoughts that's when I call someone. That's when I'm like on my phone with my therapist or I'm on some on the phone with someone from my programs on, on the phone. Like, I need some help navigating through this emotional disturbance. My head is telling me that this was too much and that maybe this would be considered, you know, a binge or whatnot. And I don't want to use that bowl as an example, because that, that was yeah. more of a parental, but like, you know, maybe just if I went out to eat and ate, I ate a little bit too much or whatever, just navigating through emotional disturbance. Um, and like, what is that? How to reframe it too? like, okay, write down, write down what you just ate and look at it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Know? That's a really like, good thing I, to do. I know I've written down before. I mean, I do a food journal type thing in my mm-hmm. phone notes, but I've written down before, like when I have a binge and I'm like, wow, yeah. So write down what you ate when you think you binge, and it's probably not a binge. And also, um, I know we're running like close to time. I don't know when you have your next appointment, but I wanted to just say, like for um, sugar cravings, people in the carnivore and keto space say that fat can really help with sugar cravings. So what I've been doing is making a fatty tea at night with butter or ghee and full fat coconut milk and um, making like a bedtime tea with that in it. And literally like I'll drink that and I'll sip that and I am not hungry after that. And my sleep is better too. Like I won't wake up at four in the morning with that cortisol um, spike glucose thing that Mm -hmm. everybody talks about, which can um, trigger nighttime, you know, night, night eating syndrome. Um, so having more fat, just increasing your fat is something so easy that everybody can do. And it helps with hormones. It helps with cravings. Um, another thing that has helped me, I've listened to a lot of podcasts about binging. There's one podcast called um, Unsweetened CO, and she's like a binge eating uh, expert and sugar and flour free and stuff like that. And she said that to get through her binging and, and change that behavior, she would say, I don't do that anymore. Like having these phrases kind of that like snap you out of it almost like having these 
these rituals like okay i'm turning off the lights in the kitchen i'm i'm leaving the kitchen mm -hmm. kitchen's closed yep um or i don't do that anymore or i don't eat past midnight anymore for people mm -hmm. who are struggling with nighttime eating for me um i eat late at night and it's fine with me but there's a set rule that i try to set myself i'm not going to eat anything heavy um like past 11 30. i know that's really late for some people um but for me that's just mm -hmm. where i'm at and yep. um or you can say when you're looking at foods that trigger you or cause a binge that's just not my food anymore mm -hmm. that's not my food i just don't eat that food anymore mm -hmm. i eat this so again remembering your why and um remembering that you can have food later like this isn't the last time you're going to get the opportunity to eat because i know for me like i will eat like a huge enormous salad and i'm like why am i doing this like i can literally just have like half of this see how i feel and then later i can have something else and maybe i'll want something different later but if i if i overeat this salad then you know i might still be hungry after because it didn't satisfy me but i'm so full that like you know that's going to make me feel like i want to up mm -hmm. so like really having those sensations in your body and knowing yeah i think that my um my biggest tips would be for the holiday season first of all the fat situation i never ever first of all i was afraid of fat i was one of those fat free i grew up in the you know i was in high school in the 90s so it was like fat free, all fat free and grew up in the eighties and everything was fat free. And so, mm -hmm. um, I was terrified of fat until I found keto and I saw what eating low carb, high fat could do. And then once I went strict carnivore for, um, gut healing purposes to figure out like which veggies were causing me issues. Um, I always typically have a coach that I work with. I think coaches should have coaches. And so I always have someone that I, um, I work with. And so at the time, this person was um, really, you know, getting my fat higher and higher. And I, when I do track, I track with a professional because I don't, that's just something I have to do because I don't know what I'm capable of if I start into a behavior that I don't typically do because tracking was something I did for years. So anyway, um, the high fat thing really like i remember the day that i think i hit the threshold of like what was enough fat for me and i was like the sugar cravings are gone like to the point where i didn't even care about putting like monk fruit sweetener or stevia and which are things that i again have yeah. boundaries with um so i eat them on those are my boundary foods stevia and monk fruit i have very very specific boundaries on when i have those but so having boundaries with like making a red light yellow light green light list before you go into the holiday season knowing what your trigger foods are and looking at this yellow light list and seeing how you can make boundaries with these foods on the holidays and um and like taking actions and kind of playing out the scenario of what your holidays if if like for typically you know people know what they're doing they know they're going to certain family members it's kind of the same drill every year and also have a plan of what you you know when someone might say something to you like oh well just have a little tiny bite it's no big deal i will say well one i'll say oh no it gives me gut issues you can easily just say oh no i'm allergic people typically I'm not will hungry. Yeah. Or I'm not yeah. hungry. 
it's just a little bit, but sometimes even I'm not hungry. People will say just, um, have a little bit. I've, but when you say I am allergic and, or Mm -hmm. I have gut, like it affects my stomach. It makes me feel sick. When you say certain things about the way it makes you feel or that you actually have an allergy, you're allergic, which I think that if you're anything like me and you have sugar addiction or anything, I do think it's an allergy. Um, I think that from what I've seen with my own enzymes, it's an allergy. So having a plan, um, when uncle so-and-so is going to like try to force you to, you know, cause I come from a family where it was like, eat, 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 eat. And now it's been so many years for me with my family, this way of life, nobody says anything to me. No, in fact, people are going out and buying the things that they know that I can eat and storing it in the fridge. I don't even have to bring my food anymore. Like I probably see how how much better you feel, you know, like mm -hmm. if you literally say to somebody that when I eat that kind of food, I'm on the toilet all night. Mm -hmm. What are they going to say? Yeah, just a little bit. No, that's literally insane. Yeah. Um, and don't I, you know, like, don't even give them an excuse for them to think that you're feeling bad that you can't have that. Mm -hmm. Like, just be say, Oh, I feel great. I'm good. Thank you. I feel great. You know, like nine times out of 10, the pusher, the food pusher or the person who like, you know, even with alcohol for me, you know, I've been sober for coming on 16 years. So I've had alcohol pushers on me before too. The person who's pushing it on you is probably someone who's just like you and is triggered by you. And Mm -hmm. there's that I've seen that, but also when you stand up in your truth and you say that, it's a very powerful message to your body. And the way that I have felt afterwards, and it was hard for me. I'm one of those people pleasers. Like I can't speak up. Like I've had to learn how to do these things. I would straight go to the bathroom and have to look myself in the mirror. And like, I would, you know, days before be practicing in the mirror, what to say, like, that's how hard it was for me. And now like to be able to stand in my truth and to be able, it's like, I always say, it's like, I am the permission slip for everybody else in that room to be able to stand up for themselves or change their, change their eating style. And like, I'm the healthy one. Like I'm the healthy one. I'm healthy and I'm eating things that are good for my body. And I think it is triggering to some people, but you are your actions and what you do when you stand up in what your body needs. It's so powerful. And I didn't even get into the quantum physics of it all because I'm a total quantum physics nerd. But that energy that you're sending out in the morning, just in the morning before, this is one other tip that I have every morning on the holidays, especially because I'm not home. I don't have enough time to do like my whole full morning routine. I do sunrise. I go outside. I'll like do a prayer. But when it gets like crazy, I go up to the bedroom. I sit down on the bed. I just take it a moment to like connect with myself and I'll like breathe. I'll say a prayer. I'll do whatever I need to do. But when you connect to that higher frequency, you are literally affecting a two. This has been studied. There's been a huge study that was done in 1995 and it's been studied ever since you affect your energy affects a two mile radius around you. So when, when I go into any, and I've done this for years, when I go into any holiday situation, when I know that it's going to be a place where it's a party and that like, I'm unsure of what's going on. I always use that, you know, saying namaste that may the 
divine in me connect with all the divinity of these people, not their personalities. May I connect to them from that place of being so authentically myself and that peaceful high frequency. And I just go in there and I try to look deeper past who they are, their personalities, that they have something inside of them that is exactly like me and that we're all connected and that I can affect them through that. I know this is going a little bit too deep in that (laughs) sense, but like I have, these are so, these are all the tools that I've got, you know, over the past. Yeah. Connecting to something air, like just getting out of your head and Mm -hmm. connecting to something outside of yourself can Mm -hmm. kind of snap you out of that. And yep. Like going, going for a walk, getting outside. Nobody said you have to be stuck in a a holiday gathering for five hours. You are an adult. You can Mm -hmm. leave. You can go take a a phone call. You can walk around the block. Sometimes you need those resets. And um, I guess like the last thing I'll say is that take your time eating, like Mm -hmm. put your fork down, breathe see where you're at Mm, and and like like we both said um and then sometimes helping what helps is leave the kitchen for like or leave the the eating area and see how you feel go to the bathroom listen to a meditation in the bathroom Mm -hmm. listen to a part of something like i always have headphones in um and like having that plan i -hmm. mean we, we have said it so many different ways have have a plan okay if there if there's these foods there I'm going to allow myself one of that, one of that, mm-hmm. and I'm going to be done. That's, that's my cap. Mm-hmm. And then I can reassess later. Mm-hmm. And if I want something later, I can have a fatty tea or I can have this or that, you know, just write it out, write it out yeah. in your phone and yeah. have it in your iPhone notes. Yeah. Bring your own food, like bring something to share. And um, one other last tip that I'll say too, is something that I'll do is if things like, if I start having a thought like, Oh, I want another, I still have thoughts where I'm like, Oh, I really want another plate of that. Cause I do enjoy my food today. Um, so what I'll do instead is I will be of service. I will clean up the table. I'm like, okay, where can I be useful? Oh, yeah. Where can I be useful? Move your body. Where, yeah. I'll move my body. I literally will like this last weekend, we had um, the Kumar family soup night and the next morning I woke up and I had my normal breakfast routine, did my whole normal thing. And the kitchen looked like a tornado. I literally cleaned the whole entire kitchen. I put everything away. I, you know, I mean, it was, my husband came downstairs all clean and we just moved the tables back. And when my in-laws got up, they're like, whoa. And I was like, because I actually felt like I needed to move some of the energy from the night before of wanting more. Right. And so it's like, okay, let's be a service. It It will. And then when you're, and like, um, what do they say? They say that, um, if you want esteem, do esteemable acts. And like, that is something that was really helpful for, you know, my lovely in-laws who are just so amazing. And they had this wonderful party and it was so wonderful of them to throw and host all these amazing, delightful human beings. And I was like, you know what? I can do this. And um, I wanted to, but I also knew that at that time, because of the night before, I still felt some of that energy of like, oh, I really want something, something, something. So that helped. Right. That was and helpful. then like when you do that movement and that shift and that you're doing, you're cleaning, you, you delayed. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of that, do you, you, and even if you do want something else, 
you can you can have a plan for that too. Like, okay, even if I still want something after the delayed action and all doing all these things, have a tea. Like, make a hot yeah. beverage with fat in it. I promise you guys, yeah. it will help. Yeah, it does. That helps a lot. Or what I'll say is, you can have it with your lunch. I often yeah. will be like, okay, you really want that? Just have another plate of that tomorrow. And typically, when that tomorrow, tomorrow. comes, I don't even want that anymore. But like, I always tell. I mean, I did this from when I got sober. You can have a drink tomorrow. You can eat that exactly. cake tomorrow. And I would sometimes be sitting on my hands and like rocking back and forth because, I mean, with sugar more than alcohol, I had to, a lot of um, of that. But yeah, so. One day at a time, you guys. Yep. That's all you can do. And you can do it. Like if we can do it, you can totally do it because I'm a bottom of the barrel. That's that's how I roll. I was, was too. So. We hope that um, all of these things have helped you. And in my podcast episode, I'm going to put some of these show notes and my notes in there. And I'm going to put a link to all the free eating disorder meetings as well, because if I say it out loud, you guys won't even know what I'm talking about. So I'll I'll put those links in there too. And uh, we hope that you guys have a really awesome holiday. Don't stress. Try to just, you know, move through it with with grace and um, have some compassion for yourself too. Yeah. Be super gentle. Be super gentle with yourself. It's possible.